And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one in the back. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Wham! Cut sap. First try. Why are you so serious? He's a fast killer. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. I'm freaking pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Day for a Movie podcast. We are brought to you by GD4GD. So head on over to GD4GD.com and buy some awesome gear because $10 of every sale gets donated to their nonprofit partner, which is currently the GD4GD Art Fund. It's an in-house fund aimed to provide financial support for artists to help them complete their art projects. Their goal is to help reduce the financial hurdles young artists have and promote creative individuals to pursue what they're passionate about. I'm Jacob, and alongside me, as always, Tate. What's up? And our anonymous third co-host. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> How are we doing today? Oh, doing so good. Ready for this unique episode that we're about to throw at you. Yes. Um, as you can tell by the title, at least I think this is what the title is going to be. It is Listener Choice Volume 1. <laughs> it's a work in progress, and it might change by the end of the podcast, but that's what we're going with right now. It'd be funny if you went with, like, Listener Choice Awards or something. That that was the joke I made. I said, it's like the, because Tate said, what's like, can we, is there like a movie pun? I'm like, well, there's like the Critics' Choice or like the Nick, like, Teens Choice Awards. Oh, yeah. We can make Kids this choice like, throughout awards. the year, the Listener's Choice Awards, and then like the one that we were the highest. Hand and surfboards. Yeah. Slime people. Mm. We don't have the budget for slime. Can we throw slime at Tate? Yes. Mm. We have the budget for that. <laughs> so, right. so we, we, we took to Twitter and Instagram, and we asked what movie you guys want us to review. And we got a bunch of submissions, and basically we're going to choose one at random and go from there. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, oh, uh... And the movie is There Will Be Blood. Ooh. Interesting. I've seen it. Have you seen it? I Yes. I saw this during COVID a little earlier. Have we all seen it? But. No. You haven't? Uh, okay. It's already putting you to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I watched this movie earlier during COVID, but I, and I, I think after I watched it, I was like, I need to rewatch this at some point in the near future. Because there is parts that maybe I don't know. Is there's a lot going on in the movie, character wise and stuff. So I'm and it can kind of drag a little bit. Yeah, and so at here, times it felt long. Um, it is directed by the same person that directed Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I remember you guys talking oh. about There Will Be Blood. And I about Punch Drunk Love. This is and in that episode, I don't know if you'll remember, but I talked about how I don't think I like him as a director. Mm. So we'll. 
Should I give my rating what I gave it? What you did in, give it? Yeah. Yeah, that's in fine. April April second, twenty twenty, I gave this a seventy two out of a hundred. Mm. So we'll see if that goes. I remember up or down. I remember liking it the first time I saw it. Um but yeah, I've been wanting to watch it again. So this is this is probably perfect time. And it looks like it's streaming on Netflix, which is perfect. Um yeah. Two thousand seven movie. Obviously you know that's got Daniel Day Lewis, right? As the main. Yeah, this has the opportunity to be Daniel Day Lewis's best movie for me. At one, um, it's got Paul Dano. Um, I honestly don't know any of these other peeps, but it's a long one, two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, no wonder you guys say it feels long and drawn out at times. Holy yeah, shit! It is pretty <laughs> yeah. long. That's why I think I like at some points was not paying attention when I should have because it's it, there's a lot of like dialogue and I think good dialogue in this movie. And then there's a lot of also just Daniel Day Lewis like not talking. There's it's a long movie and I think that that's why oh, yeah. I wanted to rewatch it. Good thing we bought beer. Yeah. I have 24 and a half left. Do you 23 know, and a half left. Do you know anything that it's <laughs> about? <laughs> no. I don't need to. You know? Okay. No, cool. I love it. Into it. Maybe the maybe the listeners do. All right. It's a ruthless silver miner turned oil prospector. Daniel. Oh, his name's actual Daniel. Um, Daniel Plainview moves to oil rich California using his son to project a trustworthy family man image. Plainview cons local landowners into selling their valuable properties for a pittance. Don't give the whole synopsis. How about this? A story of family, religion, hatred, oil, and madness, focusing on a turn-of-the-century prospector in the early days of the business. That was better. That's good. That was better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm reading right now. That You're on, like, like cliff notes. the entire, like, plot of the movie. I was halfway through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm, I am excited to view this movie in another lens, and I guess about a year later. I think there's a, a lot A year and seven about. days later. So that's what I'm excited about. And props to the people who... Submitted for yeah. the list because that was yes. there was that was a solid list. Yeah, I mean we 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 looked at a decent amount of the list and it was a bunch of solid choices. And shout out to Zeke actually Zeke Williams for the choice that yeah. won it. Absolutely, yeah. It was um I was a little disappointed in the list actually because there were no no like horrible movies. And so we, I guess you like us. We did have a horror movie, and I was very excited to have. Our anonymous co-host watched that. I hate horror movies. The second Tate said it was a horror movie, I was like, nope. I really, <laughs> I might try and my heart, I might kick and scream and try and veto it if it gets picked. I might have to pick a horror movie next time. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. We will see you on the other side. There will be blood. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. I'm a family man. I run a family business. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. You boys are a regular family business. Now you have a great chance here. My son is a healer and a vessel for the Holy Spirit. He has a church. And you will be cast up and thrust back to perdition. I'm fixed like no other company in this field. I have a string of tools ready to put to work. 
That's why I can guarantee to start drilling and to put up the cash to back my word. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, when it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. There's a whole ocean of oil under our feet. No one can get at it except for me. We'll offer 150,000 for full title. When do we get our money, Daniel? I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. Don't you bully me, Daniel, please! I see the worst in people. We have a sinner with us. Get out of here, devil! I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I keep doing this on my own. With these, um, people. family business. This is my son and partner, H.W. <laughs> He's just so fun to do an impression of. I am an oil man. I drill for oil. I've abandoned my boy! I've abandoned my son! Daniel Day Lewis does really good in this. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. Um, Alright, initial thoughts. I think I enjoyed it more. I definitely enjoyed it more. The second watch through. I'm, on, I'm in that same boat, too. I enjoyed this a lot more, I think, this time around. Okay, so here's a question. Am I a complete and total crazy person? Or is Paul Sunday the same guy as Eli Sunday? Yeah, no. They're <laughs> the, no, they're, well, they're different people in the, characters in okay. the movie. But, but yeah, Paul, yeah, Paul Dano okay. plays both of them. Because, like... Honestly... Oh, yeah, go ahead. So... I, like, thought I had a realization, like, halfway through the movie when he's, like, over top of his dad. And he's like, Paul's the one who brought him here. And I was like, wait, aren't you the one who talked to him? And then I was like, does he have, like, multiple personality disorder? And then I realized at the end scene, I'm like, wait, no, he definitely doesn't. I mean, he's he has his own company, Paul. Yeah, no, I remember, like, I remember thinking that the first time and I was, like, really confused. And then this time, I mean, this time I kind of knew what was happening. But, yeah, I mean, I because I, I initially thought the first time I saw it that um, they were the same person and that he was kind of, like, trying to trick Daniel Day-Lewis into thinking that there were two people. Um, but, yeah, then you, you find out that there are actually two okay. brothers, Eli and Paul. And, and Paul is the Paul one that... Just, like, yeah. Zipped away and like Paul's the one back. that just took 500 cash to say fuck over my family's land and he's gonna run away. And Eli was the devout religious family man that was like, God damn it, Paul, you screwed us over. So, okay. but and I also have something to go off of that later that I read about. Um, well, I guess we're going, I can go to right now, but I read that um, the director had Paul Dano scheduled to play Paul also. Awesome coincidence that Paul Dano plays a guy named Paul and Daniel Day-Lewis plays a guy named Daniel. Must be so nice. It's going to be like halfway weird talking about Daniel Day-Lewis's character in this movie because we're calling him Daniel. Yeah, it'll be so nice for us, too. Wow. Um, 
But anywho, so the director had Paul, Tam- Paul Thomas Anderson had Paul Dano scheduled to just play Paul, and he had somebody else to play Eli. And I guess like four days before they were going to do all the shoots with Eli, um, like up at the Sunday Ranch, and like start doing all that filming. Um, so it said that it was suggested that the original actor for Eli, Kel Keel, Kel O'Neill, I think, um, had been intimidated by Daniel Day-Lewis's intensity and habit of staying in character on and off the set. And so both Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis kind of denied that this was the reason why that he quit. But he quit, and Paul Thomas Anderson said, Paul Dano, do you want to play Eli also? And so four days before they started filming for Eli, Paul Dano had to get into this character and he read up on the script and do his like little research. And um, so he jumped into this role last second, which is really cool. But that makes sense for why there's why he's both Paul and Eli. Um, pretty weird, but a lot of mad props to Paul Dano because I think he killed it. I, I, he's a good actor because he... he Really good. Yeah. I mean, he did really good in Prisoners, too. Or prison, Prisoner? Yeah, Prisoners. Prisoners, yeah. I think. He did, never saw yeah. it. Yeah, you did. It's with... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hugh yeah, Jackman. Yeah, that one. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he's yeah. a weirdo in that. Yeah, he does tend to be a weirdo in his Wow, movies, I totally forgot that that was him. That's crazy. Yeah. But anywho, he did, the acting was incredible in this movie. Yeah, the acting overall, I think, in this, this movie is... is Dev- tier one massive step up for Daniel Day-Lewis for the other movies I've seen him in I think I think Dan I mean I'm on the team Daniel Day-Lewis always does a really good job whether he's a weird guy or not I think I've I've never seen yeah. him not do a really good job but I think yeah so and and I think he's gotten um which we'll get into like the awards later but he did win best actor for this um at the Oscars and um but I think in general, and I think he got a lot of he got a lot of props for this being his best movie ever that he's ever played. Um, so him and Paul Dano, I think, absolutely killed it in this movie. The acting is incredible. Yeah, I think I'm kind of starting to come around on Day Lewis. His portrayal of Lincoln is very good, but I, I think I finally realized why I kind of have a problem with that movie and with him in it is. He's using like he's Irish. High, well, <laughs> that's part of it. But he's using this like high pitched accent, which is allegedly how Lincoln like talked and like mm-hmm. actually sounded. I remember that throwing me off. And so he was trying to go with that. And so I think I'm like slowly coming around on him. I still don't like my left foot. I will never like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But the the second watch, I don't know what happened and why I found it so much more entertaining this time. I think. There was a weird thing that happened. I think I watched this movie for the first time, like when it first popped up on Netflix. Um, and one another podcast I listened to, he also, it wasn't his first watch of it, but he like continuously watched it and he just quoted it all the time and like laughed his ass off saying, I've abandoned my boy and I drank your milkshake. You've come here and you've brought good and wealth, but you have also brought your bad habits as a backslider. You've lusted after women and you have abandoned your child. Your child that you raised, you have abandoned all because he was sick and you have sinned. So say it now. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. Say it louder. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. Louder, Daniel. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. 
I am sorry, Lord. I am sorry, Lord. I want the blood. I want the blood. You have abandoned your child. I have abandoned my child. I will never backslide. I will never backslide. I was lost, but now I am found. I was lost, but now I'm found. I have abandoned my child. Say it. Say it. I've abandoned my child. Say it louder. Say it louder. I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my boy! Who begged for the blood! Give me the blood, Lord, and let me get away. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Get out of here, devil! Out, devil! Out, sin! Do you, do you accept the church of the third revelation as your spiritual guide? Get out of here! Get out of here! Get out of here! Jesus Christ as your savior. Yes, I do. And so I think that's just like conditioned me to be like, no, this is like a fun movie now. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I'm in the same boat where I know that I like this a lot more. I'm not sure why really. Uh, maybe I, I think part of it is because the first time around, the length really got to me. So maybe the fact that I was prepared for how long it was, I could focus on saw, like some of the things that are in the movie more. Um, it is a really long movie. I think it's the longest movie we have watched. Oh, no. What was longer? That we've watched? Yeah. And I reviewed Justice oh, League, well, that, which yeah, was four okay. hours long. Well, yeah, Justice League. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one. But, yeah, I think that is the only thing that I can pin it to about why I maybe liked it more is because I could focus on some of the other aspects of the movie. Um, but, I don't know. I, I just know that I liked it a lot more this time around. I think there's an aspect of watching it with people that helps propel. For long movies. Yeah, yeah. for like long movies, it's kind of like we're in this thing together. And I don't know, even for short movies, I think you can draw more enjoyment out of it. Like you're laughing along with each other. You're, I mean, I just want to say crying for some reason. We definitely didn't cry during this movie. It wasn't quite a tear. Not much to cry about. I, what I'm curious about is your initial thoughts. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, did you did you stay engaged the whole time? Because that was my hardest thing the first time. I did. It. I got restless about two hours in. Not that I wasn't disengaged. I was like, oh, okay, this is starting to get long. Because, man, when we took our first intermission, it was only like 50 minutes in, and I was like, holy cow. And then the second one was like an hour and 55, and I was like, oh, boy, this better pick up quick. 14 minutes without talking, yeah, without a single word being minutes. spoken. Yeah, let's talk about that. Well, I mean, do you want to keep going on your initial thoughts? Outside of it being long, I think the acting was incredible. It was pretty. The dialogue was good. Like, it, it was it was redundant but i think in the ways it was redundant it was needed it kind of helped cement what the characters were like and we're um, going through and we're going through i think the only other thing i really did not like and jacob's definitely gonna agree with me on this is the music <laughs> it's so i also didn't I, I pointed it out i guess in that 14 minute let's, time yeah, period. let's go into the music 
time period of no talking. And I was like, wow, this music, just that like continuous, like just sound. It, it, it almost sounded like, an, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it like, it, it, it wasn't even like that long and drawn out. It, it, was, it was just long like long and drawn out. And it just felt like they were like purposefully playing string instruments, like off key. And well, sometimes it would just like build up. It'd be like a minute of boom, boom, boom. Bum, and, and then the next minute of bum, 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 bum. And then like five minutes of bum, 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 bum. And you're like, oh my God, I'm about <laughs> to hit my head through a fucking wall. I, and you, I you love, pointed out yeah. that it sounded just like Punch Drunk Love. And that's oh, a that problem. Was, yeah, that was him. That was oh, me. that was, that was you. me. Because okay. watching Punch Drunk Love, that literally made me want to freak out. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest reasons why I did and not it's, like it's, Punch Drunk it's Love. It's the same watch. composer, same director. Like, let's find a new lane here. <laughs> no, I fucking love it. That that first 15 minutes, I think, is when... Because, I mean, like, the rest of the film, that those sounds come back a lot. Yeah. Um, but it really sinks in in those first 15 minutes because there's it no really talking. It really sucks in those first and 15 minutes. Pretty- the rest of the movie, it's tolerable. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't think that was the worst. I think the worst was when the oil oh, okay. was, on came fire. Out, was on fire. Yeah. It, was, it was, like, literally five to eight straight minutes of that just loud like me 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 like oh, violins see, going and i was like it made me it has to end at some it, point it was, and then it wouldn't it was great when he when we cut to his to hw being deaf because we didn't get any sound <laughs> <laughs> no but i think that the like whoever the composer is whatever his name is that did punch drunk love in this i think like i'm a huge fan of that because i think i think his style is very different than a lot of other movies I've ever seen. And I think it really helps. Good old Johnny Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood, my man. I think it really helps sink in the feeling of like, kind of like, just you get anxious. You get like, you get like kind of like, I don't, yeah, I don't even know the other word from anxious. You're just like jittery. You're just kind of scared about what's going to happen. Or, Cause like, I remember something happens in that initial scene from the first time I watched it, but I didn't remember at what point. So when he was like hacking at the wall with his ax, I was just like, oh God, this is where it happens. And then like, cause all the music's like, dun, 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 dun. but it just goes on forever. And I don't know. It just, I think it gives you a whole nother, a bunch of other different feelings that you wouldn't have get, wouldn't get otherwise from other music. And so I don't know. I'm a huge fan of the score of it. It's very anxiety inducing, like punch drunk. I would enjoy it a lot more if it wasn't so drawn out. Cause it was like, it is very drawn out. It would get. It would be an intense scene, like when that oil was going. It'd be like, tint, 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 and I'm like, okay, yeah, this fits. And then he'd be like laying his boy down and saying like, calm down, calm down. It's going, tint, 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 tint. Yeah. And then he's like going and sitting down, watching. It's like, tint, tint, tint. And I was like, okay, it, the anxiety's over. <laughs> like it's, dude, it's, it's it pretty. It's pretty stays much stays there. there. Um, the anxiety stays at a high level. That's where it's too your, much. Your your boy Johnny Greenwood. Is lead guitarist and keyboardist for Radiohead. Very dope. <laughs> That's crazy. That's sweet, actually. <laughs> Very cool. No, but yeah, so that like that the first 15 minutes of this, I think, is like I've never seen another film where it's so silent, but also so like kind of loud at the same time. Because there's no talking. There's, you're just watching them kind of hack at oil or hack at rocks, because they're not even going for oil at that point. Um, but and when he falls he down the ladder, minor man. it just looks, I don't know. It's just something about that first 15 minutes, no talking, just purely silence and them just like nodding to each other and working hard and trying to make, uh, make a life out of this rough, rough situation. 
and just this anxiety music going on. It's so good. At least we agree, Jacob. Yeah. I think Tate's just a weirdo. He's no, such I a... love it. Something that I've come to realize doing this podcast that kind of makes me feel uneasy is that <laughs> and I agree a lot. <laughs> you guys agree <laughs> so much. Like it's scores and everything. And at the same time, we like argue yeah. about everything else. Like we're so close on most scores. It's true. Like if, if we're if we're not close, we're very far away. But what like the majority of the time. See, the problem is I'm trying to think of a way to disagree with that. <laughs> I'm working on it. Give me a sec. <laughs> All right. Well, but with music, I feel like we definitely agree. Except for musicals. Well, that's <laughs> see, that's a great example. On you agree on ninety percent of the music in films, except when it comes <laughs> yeah. to musicals, which is which is the ten percent. Yeah. Well, and then Tate's just a anomaly. Like he loves just anxiety-inducing music for ten minutes. <laughs> just give me. No, I yeah, I love it all. Tate's an indie boy. All right, let's get into like the story, the plot, the characters a little bit, because I I did say that it's loosely based on um, a book by Upton Sinclair from 1920s or 1930s or something like that. And the book's just called Oil. Um, And I was, because I was reading, since I've seen this, I was like reading up a little bit throughout the movie. Um, The book is about a oil uh, oil tycoon's son. Um, So it's kind of almost told from the perspective. So this this book just gave um, Paul Thomas Anderson the ideas that he kind of used from other scripts too to kind of put this movie together. So this was kind of, the foundation of the story, but he doesn't like completely go off this book, even though it was up for adapted screenplay at the Oscars. Um, but yeah, anywho, it's based off the book of this, uh, that's based on the son of this oil tycoon. So I think he just kind of takes it as like the story of the oil tycoon. Um, and then tells it from that point of view. But, um, what are you guys' thoughts on the plot, the story, these, the characters that he pulls from this book that he kind of creates, which are Daniel day Lewis, Paul Dano, probably, um, and just this perspective that he tells of, I mean, it's pretty much the perspective of Daniel Day-Lewis with a little bit of Paul Dano, but um, the first person viewpoint that you get is of Daniel. Who'd you say was going to play Paul or, or Eli? Some other jabroni. Man, that would have been, because Paul Dano is a good act. That would have been so weird having him only have been Paul for like the first. Yeah. Minute. Five like five minutes from <laughs> well, minutes I guess the first time you see him, which is like thirty minutes in, probably. But yeah, that yeah. would have been weird. Yeah, I think the story was really good, and this may be a strange question. Do you think that Daniel actually loved his quote unquote son? I think he loved. I think he loved. I don't know how to say this. I think he was so involved and loved growing his business and getting rich in this kind of, um, I think he loved the idea of accumulating wealth and becoming this oil tycoon more than anything else in the world. But I don't think that means he didn't love his son, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I I think like the character of Daniel is a very hyper-focused individual where like, but that doesn't mean that he can't also love his son because like the scene where H.W. Uh, loses his hearing, right? He, Daniel, like, runs up there and, like, is in danger. 
he grabs him off the thing, like kind of make sure he's make sure he's okay, and then well, sees actually, the fire shout out start. to that other guy yeah. who runs up yeah, there for sure um, <laughs> and grabs him off the roof. But yeah, he he does run up there too. And then he sees the fire start, and he's like, "Oh, like that could kind of be my empire going." And then he kind of realizes, "Well, it just keeps going and going and going." Wow, I'm underneath a lot of oil, and that's where he like the super high hyper focused comes in where he's just standing there staring at the fire after they finally like hit all those pens out. But, and so he's like staring at this fire and the, uh, King beyond the wall guy comes up and is like, Hey, whoa, is HW okay by the way? And he's, his response is just, no, no, he isn't. Yeah. He just keeps staring and just until the next morning. Well, yeah. And you get the idea. Like, and I, um, I did read that this is like this, this movie is um, reviewed a lot by movie critics and like in movie school and film school because of um, it's like themes and undertones and stuff like that. And one of them is the idea of like American capitalism and American greed. Um, And I think he, and he, and like, and they said that that speech that he gives to his fake brother guy, the guy who pretended to be his brother, um, the speech that he gives to him about competition and how he's competitive is like the focal point of that, um, what they use for that argument. And so I think he's just so caught up and he's a very like, I mean, you see it from the very beginning. He's just incredibly driven. Um, he wants to make like, whether it's a name for himself or he just wants to make money or he just is hungry for something um, that's very selfish. I think that that, it, that outweighs every other um, love that he has. But I don't think, yeah, I think he still clearly loves his son. Um, I think he just had to make a decision and his decision went with pursuing his business than it did taking care of his son. So that's my answer. I don't know. What do you think? Yes, I I think that that conversation with his fake brother was the key um, dialogue piece to him as a character. I think that his whole kind of big gear motive was kind of control and power combined. And I think that the one thing, and cause he talked about how he hated, just hated people. Like he was just so sick of yeah. people. And he was, he was like, I can tell right off the bat when I meet someone I, that I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I, he was just a lonely guy that was just driven on. I don't think he was lonely. I don't think, I don't he think felt lonely, lonely but yeah. he was lonely. I mean, he was by himself, but I don't think he... Lonely is probably a feeling. Yeah. I don't know if he felt it. I, I don't think he ever felt lonely. Well, like, not lonely, like he was always by himself. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, like, philosophically lonely or psychologically lonely. Like he was just on his own. No, like he, like no one... To me, what, like, the definition, um, like, lonely to me is, like, defined as, like, wanting to be with other people in a meaningful way. I don't think he ever experienced that. But I think what, and I don't think, I don't think he ever experienced it, but I I think that, I don't know another definition. I think there's just a different word then we have to choose than lonely, but I know what you're saying is that he was always on his own. Then it's probably isolated. Yeah, there we go. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. He was, then he was, okay. Then he was isolated in his need for control and power. And I think the only thing that, kept him a little ground like the i think the only person he loved was his son and then he lost when his son lost hearing it almost felt like he lost control of their destiny Mm -hmm. and then everything spun out of control and he couldn't handle 
not having that future that he saw for himself of him and his son having this empire and that point where like him and his son just over time grew distant uh because i mean of course his loss of hearing and then but just and over he tried time to of, light the place on fire <laughs> yeah well i think he's just i think he see i think the son well that's yes. a tangent yes that's a tangent yes. we'll get into You're that right. later but uh yeah i think when he finally told his son you know you're an orphan i only it was it was a strike of anger that things didn't go the way he wanted them to so i think he loved his son now i i think his son ultimately didn't believe that anymore which is a tragedy in itself well and you just actually hit on something that i think um I didn't realize until now, but when you talked about, and I, when I was thinking about how he was very driven and hungry and constantly wanting like this to accumulate wealth, I think the biggest thing that he actually really wanted was control. Um, Cause I think he, even when like his um, whatever, when it was oil wells or whatever caught on fire, blew up or something went wrong. I still don't think he fell out of control. He still was in control. Um, but his son losing his hearing was the first situation where he, something happened that was out of his control. And that's when I think he like kind of has that issue with Paul Dano's character building up because Paul Dano acts like um, control is in none of our hands. Control is in the hands of God. And then it starts to get into like that starts to get into Daniel's head. And I think that's where he starts to really butt heads with Paul Dano. Anywho, I just thought about that whole scene where um, he was talking about he's like, then give he's like, I'm not going to when he just starts slapping Paul Dano around. And he was just like, give my son's hearing back. Because that was the one thing that he couldn't do. Yeah. Everything else he could do. Well, I think an example of his control, I think actually Paul Dano's character was fighting for control too. I oh, think yeah, yeah. He, he was, wanted the church to control the yep. oil. Yep. And I think that, I mean, the obvious that scene that way shows of that. Control. Yeah, the obvious scene that shows like their battle was when he asked to do the blessing for the oil well. And... Daniel just was like, how about nah? Yeah. That was <laughs> they were awesome. I like that. Constantly scene. having like little battles. And then that was the first like bigger one where he was just like, no, fuck off, Paul Dano. Um, and then they, then it comes back and he bites him in the ass because when he actually needs to act like he's a part of the church to get like the, le- the lease to this land, um, then Paul Dano kind of gets his shots back at him. It was, that's an interesting way to look at it is that they're both fighting for control and Daniel Day Lewis was fighting for control, and the only the way he was doing it was through oil and money, and the way that um, Dan, Paul Dano's was doing it was by the church and through God. Interesting. I do think a s- small, tiny little tangent off of that is it's interesting to think that Eli was trying to gain control for the church, being a false prophet. Where so I think there's like a little bit of even though Daniel was not. A morally ideal person he kind of was who he was and became successful whereas eli this is a stretch but whereas eli was not necessarily true to himself did not become a that might be a stretch that might be some english class you know, high school english class analysis there but. yeah I, I think well i have a question then for you do you think eli was competitive yeah i think he was you a think weak, he was tiny equally... baby because he got slapped into the ground <laughs> and then almost drowned in oil. But Do you think he was equally as competitive as Daniel? I think mentally, but when... When push came to shove? He was quick to cave. But he wanted to be. 
But going back to what you were saying earlier, I think his son figured out that the dude was not his brother early. Yeah, and because I think he, he read directed the book. that fire. Because so he was reading the journal. Oh, that's what that you're was. You're being a dummy. And in the scenes where nothing was happening, I was watching. You were just like intently watching, and then as soon as then something look something up happens, you're on your phone, and then all probably of a scrolling the house was Instagram. On fire. Dame yeah. Lewis should listen to his son. Yeah, so like the son, like my boy. <laughs> his son like read the book. Yeah, like I do like remember him flipping through that thing. Yeah, that makes sense. It was very interesting the whole interaction between Daniel and the what was their company. The oil guy that originally made the million dollar offer to oh, him uh, in that restaurant. No National oil. But wasn't it like Shamrachel? Sham- Sham- <laughs> it started with an S. That's Sinclair. No, no, no. Are you talking about what, the, what he made the deal with to build the pipeline? No, that was Union. Okay. Yeah, the other company was National Oil. There was another name. Started with an S. Anywho, continue. National Oil Supply? No, there was another name. Jacob. I don't think Jacob starts with an S. I was just wondering what you guys... Th- I'm gonna. I'm Googling it right now, but I was wondering what you thought. Of that scene was crazy. That restaurant scene? The restaurant scene or the... The restaurant The scene. first one where he meets... Well, the, the first, first time well, he meets both. Because the first one was pretty awesome. The second one was kind of awkward. I mean, that's when he starts to like snap mentally, I think, is in that the first time he meets that guy. Um, cause the guy's not even like too aggressive. Dan Dillis is almost just like looking to pick a fight. And then the guy kind of like pushes back a little bit. And then all of a sudden Danny Lewis just gets so mad at him for something that he really didn't even say, but I don't know. Well, kind of implied. I, I mean, I don't think the guy was implying it whatsoever. Well, I think it's just struck a nerve with Daniel because he did feel like he abandoned his boy and <laughs> even saying that sentence and he like he felt like he failed as a father because his son was deaf he couldn't help him he sent him away he couldn't even ride the train with him to san francisco and when he posed the question to the national oil guy um he's like what would i do with like my life and he's like i don't know take spend, care of your boy spend time with your son like I, it's probably pretty important to do that now and, like, I think that just struck a nerve because, like, well, maybe that isn't, like, the most mannered thing to say at that time. It is, like, it, it, like, he wasn't meaning it to come off as, like, arrogant or, like, I'm better than you or yeah, he's this is what you're supposed answer. to do. He's, like, I don't know, like, this is something, like, you wouldn't have to worry about working again with a million dollars in 1908. Yeah. But so what your question is, what are our thoughts on that scene plus the restaurant scene? Well, this is interesting before that. So it was standard oil. Ah, it was so close. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I heard them say standard and poor in the movie. So that would be interesting because the S&P 500. Uh, I don't know know if that has anything to do with oil. I'll have to Google that later. But that character, H.M. Tilford, was a real person. And he was the vice president of Standard Oil, under which was John Re- Ro- John Rockefeller's massive oil company. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. I knew that. I'm sure you did. Well, I did. So he's the vice president my of National. Grandpa oil. used to work for National Well Supply, so that's why I that was the name that was in my head for oil company. But Standard Oil is right. 
So then you're talking about that dinner or the scene where they ordered the steaks and goat milk. Yeah, that scene was crazy. I thought it was very <laughs> funny when he put the towel over his face to. I couldn't tell if he was drunk. I think yes. I think barely. he was a perpetual I think drunk. I think he was kind of drunk throughout the whole film. <laughs> I don't think he was until I don't think he really started like consistently heavily drinking until he sent his son away and his fake brother. Um, was what about the scene where he's just passed out on the ground? What about like the first scene where he's drinking whiskey and then throws whiskey on this baby bottle? That was crazy, and then just force fed it to his son. I'm telling you, I think he was kind of. Oh yeah, he, he was, was definitely like an drinking. Yeah, he was, he was just 100%. an alcoholic. He was just drinking right. like the entire time. But yeah, in that in that scene in the bar restaurant thing, he was definitely kind of drunk. Yeah. Like you could see it in the way he stood up and like walked over. He was noticeably more drunk in that than he was in other scenes. Would you say it had some my left foot vibes, Jacob? Uh, no, I don't know. That was I was not expecting that whatsoever. Um, okay, him throwing the napkin over his face was that so his son couldn't read his lips? I'm assuming. I think it was so his son didn't know that he was yelling, talking, yelling, and talking to the other table and being a belligerent drunk. Yeah, but then like clearly when like, I mean I don't know if you guys were looking at his son during that scene, but his son is kind of like giving a side eye to the table and kind of like feels nervous and anxious just being in that space. So even though he couldn't hear him talking, I think he could definitely read the room. It was a weird scene. but And I don't really know what his goal with that scene was. I, but now that you're talking about it and bring it up, that was, it was a, weird. It was a weird scene yeah. to have in there. Because, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, he just orders steak, sees them, gets really mad, and then goes and confronts them for a second. I don't even really remember what he says. And then they he walk He was just out. telling you, remember when you offer me a million? Look at me now. And you... Told me how to raise my boy. Look at me now. I'm raising my boy. Oh, you look so like the whole fool. point of it was just to rub it say, in the dude's face. Yeah, look at me now. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's his whole. I mean, that's his whole gig is look at me now. I think it became perpetual, or like it, it festered. Yeah, because I mean, I don't. I mean, po- po- post him sending his son away. I mean, he murders the dude, and he kind of seems to unwind a little bit. So I think. After sending, like, after slowly after his son losing hearing and sending him away, he started unwinding. We started to see, like, the darker seated core of that control power. Yeah. I, I do think it is interesting, though, like, thinking about um, that this idea that he has of um, accumulating wealth or control or power or money or whatever it is that he's going for, um, how it, like, it starts as just like a small success. Like, when he was just in the well banging with an axe and he like gets the silver or the gold or whatever he was getting. It wasn't gold. Was it silver that he was initially got in the beginning of the movie that he sells for like silver. $4. Wasn't that in the, you didn't you read that? I remember it saying silver or gold, but I wasn't sure. I'm pretty sure it was silver. Okay. Anywho, but in he like, what color was that rock? Was it silver <laughs> or gold? I'm colorblind. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. But when he goes and sells it for like, when he crawls to the place and sells it for like $4, like that was kind of, but like that was like the initial sign of just like him hard work and like his hard work and pushing to success. Like he was going to do that. And then that just like the next success that he had just grew even more. And then the success after that was even bigger. And it just kind of grew into this mansion that he had at the end of the film. So I think it's cool how it spans over the cross of his or across his working career life or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it ends up that he's in this mansion, a total drunk, a total angry man. Um, doesn't have any family, hates everybody, and is just... But he got everything that he kind of wanted, which I think is 
um, an interesting story to tell. One thing you said that is interesting is that he did, like, he would kind of, I mean, I don't know if he cheated necessarily, but he did kind of grind his success. Yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know if he ever cheated, but I think he definitely manipulated, for sure. Like, some of those towns or families that he was talking to, like, when he said he wanted the land for quail farm, or quail hunting. Um, and, oh, yeah, there might be some oil here, but I'm not. So I'm not sure he ever, I, like, that's maybe, like, the only time that he, like, cheated, cheated. But I think other than that, he was just a savvy, hungry, kind of, I mean, manipulated a little bit, the town, telling him that what he was doing was really good, even though maybe he knew that. I mean, it was good, though, right? It, it, it yeah, brought well, them all a bunch of money. And that's the whole thing about it. As it I think brought that, education to the town. I think that he knew it would bring them good, and he knew that that was the story to tell, but I don't think he cared about it. And I think that was his way of like, and that's what I'm using the term for manipulating a little bit. Cause I, I, I don't think he really cared that the town was going to be better. Yeah. I mean, does it matter? Well, I mean, yes, it's weird. Cause I don't think it was really, manip- I think manipulation would be telling them that their land was worthless and well, he their- tried to, he tried to buy it for pennies on the dollar he tried to give him no i think he yeah gave, he, they, he said are we going to buy this at oil prices and he said no i'm going to buy this at quail prices. yeah for for that one but for the rest of them he, he brought them all in and said maker. i'm a straight shooter yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just is... saying like yeah i'm not making the case that always but he did at least try to for sure manipulate that guy on price initially right i mean you can certainly look at it that way if you want but they knew that they had oil everybody in that family knew that there was oil seeping out of the ground yeah, and then he and was trying so, to tell them though that yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, even though he knew it was oil. He's like, yeah, that he's like, there could be no oil here, even though he was like, there's oil here. And he ended up paying them a reasonable price for that as well. I guess we don't know what reasonable is, right? But like we're assuming. Uh, I mean, he didn't steal from them. He, I think he gave them the, the price. It's a weird. He yeah, gave them everything that he could have wanted except more, for the five thousand dollars. But he didn't. But he didn't like. He paid them enough to pull the rug out from under him. to get the deal done, and it didn't screw them over, I guess necessarily. But he they definitely got what longer. he wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird. Outside of that, he ground for sure. He was a grinder. Oh yeah, he was. Oh he, yeah, I without a doubt, he was a grinder and very hard worker um, to get everything that he wanted. But I just think it's interesting that he didn't care for any of the positives that this um oil and money brought to all these people i think he just knew it was part of the deal yeah but i i just don't think yeah i think it's just interesting that he doesn't he didn't seem to care at all about any of that stuff he just he didn't care but he did it yeah he he didn't care he did it and he didn't like i think the big point is like he didn't purposefully like hurt anybody in the town, like any of like the innocent bystanders, like he didn't go out of his way to like be like, okay, once all the oil's gone, except for Eli, <laughs> except for Eli, but Eli was yeah. not the greatest person in the world. <laughs> Eli probably crazy. deserved to be slapped around a little bit more yeah. than he even was. <laughs> I don't know. Probably smiling. I think mm-hmm. I, I think I like Eli more than I like Daniel. Oh, see, I that's like, crazy. I like Daniel more. Yeah. Than, well, the mur- Well, the murder. I mean, don't murder, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're living in the 1800s, murder, does murder even exist? 1927, or if it's 19 like 18, and you find out that someone's been faking being your brother, no, still don't murder. That's not cool. But no, yeah, I think I like Eli more than I like 
Daniel. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Daniel, but I don't think I like him. Yeah, I don't know how else to say it. I don't like his mentality. I don't like his personality. I don't. I think he's not a great person. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Eli is that much of a better person. <laughs> it's a lesser Maybe, evil. Yeah, it's a lesser of two it's evils. It's a lesser of two evils, but, for sure. So it is hard to say that I like one more than the other, yeah, I guess. I, but. So I think Eli's a much worse person than Daniel is. Like, he's just running, like, a full-on con job. He didn't cure that old lady of arthritis. <laughs> I yeah. mean, no, it, that was crazy. His whole, that. like, religion thing was crazy. Yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, he was absolutely just as much power-hungry as Daniel, but way more of a bitch than Daniel. <laughs> he was a big bitch. He but, was, like, yeah. wasn't able to accept it. And when things didn't go, he was like, well, I'm going to find another way to finesse my way to some money. And then you just get fucked. <laughs> Well, and when he threw the bowling ball at him in the end, <laughs> he did such a bad job of dodging that. No, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, now that I say it, I don't think I like Eli at all either. I don't think I like Daniel at all. <laughs> I think I just, I, for, I, but for some reason, I still really like the movie and the plot and the story and the, the like, I guess, whatever you want to call lessons or something that you would pull from it. Um, but I don't think anybody in this film really, like, was a great person other than maybe his kid. Other than his side man mr crow man that just saved his i can man. smell a crow oh yeah, i yeah. smell a crow yeah mr crow man yeah no i think him and his fine but we didn't really see much from him yeah. his and son i think, I the, think was a, the son yeah. is the only one that i think at the end made the only ethically immoral like good judgment where he was like i'm glad i'm not like you he didn't want the girl to be beaten yeah that was good that was good. <laughs> he, he looked at the guy that he paid money for for his land and said, it's a good thing that your dad doesn't beat you anymore. And then just looked at the dad. And the dad was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Daniel just did what he had to do to get stuff done. And whether that was. But see, that was still when he was. A straight shooter. Or... When his son had hearing. I, I really think that that was the core of the whole thing was that his son was like. You think that he was a. Decent person. I think he was a decent, like decent, success-hungry person that had this image for him and his son, and that when his son lost his hearing, everything went downhill for him. Everything unwound. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, I think that's a great assessment. There will be blood. There was only blood three times, and two of them were by accident. No, there's blood so many more times. There's blood in the first fifteen minutes when that guy got demolished by the one thing that fell. There's another one where another Accident. thing fell. Oh, yeah. There's, there's two accidents. And then there's Paul there's Dan at the end. blood all over his son. Like, there's all over his gotta face. There's got to be more. Well, I mean. When all the wood hit him. I guess if when he was, like, like. When he lost his hearing. That was oil. It was blood and blood, oil. It was, blood on it was his red head. and black, yeah. It was? It was yeah. blood on his head mm. from his fall. But anywho, like, as far as, like, visual blood, yeah, maybe, like, three or four times. But I, mean, I, I think, like, as far as, like, just people brother. dying or, like, scenes of people dying. feels like there's more people that died. That guy kind of bled when he got shot in his brother. Fake brother kind of blood when he got shot in the head. But it's weird that the title is called There Will Be Blood. You see what I'm saying? I think the title is Because when you, when you hear There Will Be Blood and you hear like an oil, a kind of psycho oil tycoon, you feel like there's going to be more murder mystery. Like he killed his way to the top, not he ground his way to the top. I think it's kind of interesting that that's the title. Well, I, and I guess going into this, I think, I think it's an awesome title because I think it – um, summarizes the idea of Daniel Delos's character where he's like, there's blood, but that doesn't stop him. 
And so because of that, there will be more blood. And so just along this way of, and along this path of him growing to this oil tycoon and successful, powerful man, there's going to be blood along the way, whether that's accidents that happen, whether that's him murdering people. Um, I think just along the way, I think that, that, I don't know. That's why I like the title is just that along the way to this, like success that he pictures himself. Um, he kind of knows it. Like there's accidents that happen and he just goes, well, what happened here? And they tell him and he's like, well, shit. All right, we'll start up again in the morning. And so I think he just kind of knows and understands that there will be blood and he doesn't, it doesn't stop him though. So a couple cool little things about the um, production of the film and just making of it. This guy, Eric Schlosser, Schlosser? Yeah. Finished, um, oh, sorry. Eric Schlosser um, bought the rights to this book, Oil. And then that's when Paul Thomas Anderson was working on this other film. He kind of got hung up and decided to ditch it. So he just stumbled upon this book, Oil. He read it and he immediately came up with this idea for the book. Um, with a combination of some of his other few scripts. So he reached out to Schlosser um, to give him the script. And even before the script was completely finished, he already knew that he wanted Daniel Day-Lewis to play it. So he gave Daniel Day-Lewis the script, um, also knowing that Daniel Day-Lewis loved his movie Punch Drunk Love. So, um, and Daniel Day-Lewis accepted very quickly. And there are certain from, things from the script that were taken from other things, like the, the final scene, the famous milkshake, I drink your milkshake scene. Who was nursing you, poor Eli? One of Bandit's sounds. That land has been had. Nothing you can do about it. It's gone. It's had. If you would just you take this lease, Daniel. Drain it! Drain it, Eli, you boy. Drain dry. I'm so sorry. If, if you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is. That's a straw, you see. Watching. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! Don't bully me, Daniel! Ah! Um, was paraphrased from a quote by former Secretary of the Interior and U.S. Senator from New Mexico um, speaking before a congressional investigation into the 1920s oil-related, um, into oil-related scandal where one of the um, testimonies, I guess, was um, this guy gave a speech about talking about the drainage of oil and he used the the analogy of milkshakes and drinking up milkshakes. Um, so that's pretty funny. Hmm. Yeah. I think you guys both talked about how like kind of beautiful and well it was shot. You know why Robert Ellswit, the cinematographer, main cinematographer on this thing, he cut his teeth doing empire strikes back ET and return of the Jedi. Wow. In the visual effects movies. department. That's how you cut your teeth. And Those then, are some big, movies. and then he went on to be the cinematographer in 87 movies. And has an Oscar to his name. Speaking of the cinematography a little bit, it said that a lot of these shots were actually filmed in Texas. Um, but it said that for the role of Plainview's son, Paul Thomas Anderson looked at people in Los Angeles and New York City, but realized he needs someone from Texas who knew how to hold and shoot a shotgun. <laughs> and so the filmmaker asked around um, a school, the school that they were shooting at in Texas, and the principal recommended this kid that ended up being 
his son um, in the movie. So that's a pretty cool story for that kid. That's cool. He's like, can you shoot a gun? The kid was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess lastly, just things on it, is that for the Oscars, it was nominated for, oh my God, how many things was it nominated for? Like seven? Um, best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Editing, and Best Film Editing, which it won Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis, and it won Best Cinematography. For what your- one Best Picture? I love being able to do this to you. Usually you're the one doing it to me. Huh? What one <laughs> oh, Best Picture? damn. Huh? Academy Awards. Tell me right now. I'm going the long way, probably. Slumdog Millionaire. Oh. Was it? Pretty That's sure. a worthy movie to lose to. Wow, it was that Slumdog. That's a great movie. That is a I, great movie. I think I hate it because we watched it in high school. And so, like, most movies... I was trying like, to think what oh, movies... Oh. That was, my, like, my freshman year of high school. That's crazy that this lost to Slumdog a little bit. But I'm also curious oh. as to why Paul Dano wasn't nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, because Javier Bardem won for No Country for Old Men. Oh, was damn. That, that was the was same that the year? Mm-hmm. year? That should have won Best Picture. Wow. Damn. Damn, that was a good year. Mm-hmm. Good year for movies. Ratatouille won Best Animated. Wow. Ratatouille should have won Movie of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? So, Paul Thomas Anderson lost out to the Coen brothers for Best Director. For? Don't say Fargo. What? Fargo was in, like, 1997. Oh, Coen brothers did No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Man. Oh, they did? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, what would you know? It wasn't even nominated for original score. Damn. That's not surprising. No, not at all. Well, it was, if hey, if my boy Paul Dano wasn't even nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, I'm totally wrong, by the way. No Country for Old Men did win Best Picture. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Slumdog was 2008. So that's why when I was looking for it, yep. the first thing that popped up was Movies in 2008 Wikipedia page, and I saw Slumdog, and that's right when I clicked on Oscars. So that's why I got that wrong. I'm just pissed Paul Dano wasn't up for supporting actor. That's bullshit. Yeah, welcome to the Oscars. That's bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. Bullshock. The whole thing was bullshock. <laughs> you pleased with that? What a segment. See, they don't make that stuff at prime time. Yeah, they don't write that stuff for a good reason. <laughs> All right, let's get into some scores here from the aggregators. 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 93 out of 100 on Metacritic. I can go first. Um, I think the first time that I would have watched this film, I would have given it like 8, 8 range. Um, but I think after watching this, I really liked it, and I just got to decide where it fits. Um, but I think I'm going to give it a 90. I really like this film. I think the acting was incredible. I think you touched on it earlier. We didn't really talk about it, but the dialogue... I think was really well done. Cinematography, really well done. I liked the score a lot. In general, I just liked it a lot more than I did the first time around. Um, so, yeah, I this movie's great. Yeah, I can go next. I'm going to give it a 92 out of 100. Wow, that's surprising me. Actually. I thought it was really, really, really well done. I thought it was beautiful, and that is pretty important to me. Like, I feel like some of the movies we've done, I harp on that being the most impressive thing. It was very beautiful, incredibly well done acting. I think the only two marks against it are the length, which is negligible, but the score was not good. But those are the only two things. <laughs> All right. I am, I think, I, I guess I can't say those are crazy scores because I think that's what 
a lot of people would say, I can't go that high. It was still just a too much of a slog, kind of moved. It, it moved faster my second watch, which is why I'm bumping it up six points. Um, I'm giving it a 78. It's still, I don't know, there's just something about Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't love the ending. It's probably the best ending of his movies that I've ever seen. Um, and that that's not a very high bar for me. Um, but yeah, so 78, I don't know, it's fine. I If somebody was like a big cinephile and like liked movies and somehow hadn't seen this, I would recommend it to them. But I'd never recommend it to just like a casual movie watching person. I don't think any casual movie watching person would see two hours and 40 minutes. It would be a say, hard movie for yeah. a casual movie person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they'd appreciate it too. I don't know. Case in point. <laughs> bang! Bang! <laughs> it's good! What, me? Yeah. Why? Because I can't talk now. I have to do it? Mm-hmm. Why can't you talk? Because I'm punishing you. What? Because I zinged you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zinger. <laughs> you got it. Go on. All right, folks. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. All right, folks. That's going to do it for today. If you have thoughts or questions, you can shoot us an email at gd4ampodcast. podcast. (laughs) gd4ampodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at gd4gd.movies. We're also on Twitter. No one cares. At GD4GD underscore movies. Also, but no one cares about Twitter. Also, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on, especially Apple Podcasts, I guess. Just make sure they're all five stars. If not, I'll drink your milkshake. What the heck is wrong with you? If not, there will be blood. I will go into your room and slit your throat. You don't remember that? Goodness gracious, he wasn't watching uh, catch you next week at the movies. Well, catch you next week at the movies. When you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and a little less than a wife, getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.